We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey everybody, I'm John Halpin. Welcome to the Tuesday, July 18th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. My guest today, Scott Fish, senior analyst at Fanball.com and creator of the Scott Fish Bowl. If you are on Twitter and following fantasy football, you probably have been getting beaten over the head with tweets about Scott Fishbowl. The hashtag is um, SFB7. Scott, thank you for doing this. And to start off, what was the inspiration for you creating this gigantic fantasy football league? <laughs> well, uh, at, and thanks for, thanks for letting me on. This is great. Uh, it started in 2010 as basically just a reader league for the site I ran at the time called FF Oasis. And we got guys like... Jeff Hasley from Football Guys and Mike Clay from ESPN. Well, he was with Pro Football Focus at the time and Ali Fontana and Shane Hallam and Jim Day and guys like that uh, to play with us, you know, get, give the readers, a, you know, a fun experience. And basically it started out 96 teams. And since then it has grown exponentially because once you get some analysts in, other analysts want to play with those and more fans want to play with those analysts. And it's just steamrolled. So how many teams this year? This year it's 720. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
And, and, and tell real quick, we're going to start off. To, tell us about the charity aspect of this because that's important. Sure. I've uh, for three or four years now. I've run uh, a site called FantasyCares.net. What we do is, well, it originally started. We would raise money for some GoFundMe's for some guys in the fantasy industry that needed, you know, some assistance with something. And it turned into just. Uh, going after Toys for Tots, which is something I'm pretty passionate about, and a couple other people are as well that that were there at the beginning. And we, we raise money every year for Toys for Tots uh, by running satellites through them uh, to get into the big league. And the last year we raised $6,000. This year we've raised nearly 14000 to buy toys this December. That is fantastic. Everybody, fantasycares.net, if you want to help out um, in this great effort that Scott's doing, please contribute. Okay. Um, we would like to thank, before we get moving, thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. You can sign up now for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash yahoo. Also, if you are on Twitter, Scott is at scottfish24. I'm at jhalpin37. You can also catch us at rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. And again, the hashtag for Scott Fishbowl on Twitter is hashtag SFB7. Okay, we're going to talk about format first before we start talking about specific players. Uh, this format, for people who don't know, six points per passing touchdown, five points per, per rushing and receiving touchdown, one point for first downs, except for tight ends who get 2.5 points per first down and really change the calculus of everything. What have you noticed on the draft strategy as a result of this this year? Uh, it seems like everybody has gone running back and quarterback heavy and have let wide receivers just absolutely slide because Wait, I believe that, yeah, yeah. Was I supposed the, to do the that? First downs, yeah. The first downs generally don't, uh, don't help the wide receivers too much, but uh, we, we will see. I, I, I don't hate your strategy at all. Several people did employ that. Yeah. What happened was everybody, it went running back and quarterback heavy. For instance, Aaron Rodgers is the fourth player overall off the board. Um, and some running back – Odell Beckham has been slipping out of the first round in some drafts. And what happened is I drafted LaShawn McCoy first, and then I got second and third round. And I went, well, I can't pass up Mike Evans here, and I can't pass up um, T.Y. Hilton because of the running backs who were there who were just not especially good is the thing. I, said, I basically said, <laughs> I can't pass up this guy for that guy because that guy that – that running back's not good enough. Um, so, so you think I might be okay? I think people think if you, if you zigged where others zagged, some, I, I feel like I've seen on Twitter some people saying, well, that was a dumb strategy. You, you don't think I'm toast. You think I have a shot here. Absolutely. And in a league like this where the playoffs are 360 combined teams, you want to you probably do want to have an outlier strategy. And with that consistency at wide receiver you have in Evans and Hilton, if any of your running backs later pan out and become top 24 running backs, I think you'll be just fine. Yeah, I think the guy I'm hanging my hat on is Doug Martin to turn out okay as my second running back. But mm -hmm. we'll see. I'm gonna, sure. The first few weeks I'll have to tread water a little bit there and see what happens. Um, also, so the, have you when you drafted, what did you do at quarterback? I wound up waiting because of the way the draft fell. What did you do? Uh, my draft did not fall that way. I think we had 18 gone in five rounds or four rounds, something like that. So I, uh, I went with Russell Wilson and Jameis Winston on the second corner because that was what I thought was best where it was left. And I went a little, uh, a little weird. In the fifth round, I took Tyrod Taylor, and it was part 
because I just didn't like anything else that was there at the moment. And also because it's an evil strategy to force the hand <laughs> of your other, other league mates. And it was seven or eight quarterbacks went right after I made that pick. So <laughs> I was able to get something a little better on the next corner. So even in a, in basically a super flex league here where you can start two quarterbacks, you're going to stream anyway. Unlike most people. Right. Right. Kind of. Yeah. I have, I have three solid ones and it allowed me to not to take darts for the rest of the draft instead of drafting any more quarterbacks. I feel like I have three good starters. Gotcha. Okay. So in a draft this deep, which is 22 rounds. So some of you, even if you're not playing this particular format, you will, uh, if you're playing in a deep league, you're going to need to think about what's late. Where's the late round value this year? Is it the, with the running backs or the wide receivers? If, if you're sort of trying to take those, let's say, guys 15th round or later where, that you think could, could hit big. I think it's probably more with the wide receivers just because wide receivers are generally deeper, uh, especially in a league like this where any running back of even remote value <laughs> got stolen. Right probably earlier than that. But I mean, some of the guys that were going really, really, really late in drafts, like, like the Cole Beasley's, who's a first down machine and the Tavon Austin's and the, uh, you know, the even like guys like Kenny Galladay, who's a rookie and may do nothing. The the Lions lost 22 red zone targets and he's a six, four wide receiver who lit up OTAs. I mean, there's a chance there. So I, th- I think one, you know, something late in the wide receiver range is probably what's really going to help a team here because everyone went late round wide receiver. And Ken- Kenny Galladay is an interesting one because the other wide receivers there are not your typical red zone target types. Right. They're not these right. big wide receivers. That I mean that that's an argument for Ebron, I think. Right. But yeah, the, the wide receiver wise, he he's an interesting one and, and that you're gonna be able to get really, really late. Um on the other side of that, it what player in your draft, and maybe I'm I'm sure you've been looking at some of the others, what player has made you say, Wow, I'm really surprised that, that guy's going so early? I'm still I'm still incredibly impressed on Brandon Cooks going as early as he is. I mean, he's a guy who nearly half of his production, over half of his production came in four games last year. I don't see that changing with the Patriots. There's so many mouths to feed. They didn't really lose anyone. They lost Martellus Bennett, but, but they brought in Dwayne Allen. That I just don't know where the targets are going to come from. I mean, <laughs> he, he, the, here, here's an interesting stat for you. The last time a Patriot wide receiver had had three 100-yard games was Danny Amendola in 2013. Other than that, it's 200-yard games, and that's it. Wow. Like, they spread the ball around. They spread it around. And I just – I think Cook's final end-of-season numbers are still going to be 10 to 1,200, you know, six, seven, eight touchdowns. But I, I have this inkling that it's going to be three or four games. Okay. So ju- just so everybody knows, in, in traditional drafts, let's say – um, I'm looking at fantasy football calculator. Brandon Cook's ADP is 29. Um, in Scott Fishbowl drafts, Brandon Cook's ADP is 60. But still, like you said, yeah. he's going early com- compared to other wide receivers um, based, based on what you think he's going to do. Um, I think he was going to win above Allen Robinson in mine, which I, I don't think I could pull that trigger. I see that right here. A- ADP-wise, he's ahead of Demarius, ahead of Allen Robinson, ahead of Sammy Watkins. What do you think of that? Hey, Sammy, I get that Sammy Watkins is an injury risk. And he's another one. Right. I, I think I told you before we started recording, I started picking some wide receivers because I'd see them and I'd go, I can't pass up on that guy at that spot. And Sammy Watkins was someone who, skeptical as I always am about him, and we all are, I saw him there in the seventh round. And I went, well, 
I mean, there's some crummy running backs here that, that I might have to take. Um, what's your take on Sammy Watkins this year? I, I'm I'm still a Sammy Watkins guy. Maybe it's from, maybe it's because I'm a guy who played a lot of Debbie and you know I I watch guys coming from college to the pros and I just had so much faith in him. But when he's healthy, he's he's really solid. And what else do they have there in Buffalo? I mean, if he's healthy, uh, is it going to be Zay Jones? I mean, right. it's 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 hard. It's not hard to imagine that Sammy Watkins is still in line for 100 to 150 targets. I know that's a wide range, but he is yep. such an injury risk all right yeah he he better pan out for me but we'll see um all right so up near the top i've been looking lately melvin gordon is pretty much the consensus let's say number five running back in fantasy in in this draft he's the number four running back he's actually going ahead of lashawn mccoy Mm -hmm. And, and i have i mean no argument here i have melvin gordon ranked as my fifth running back based on what he did last year, and he was, a, he was a workhorse. But I'm starting to rethink it. I'm looking at him, and I'm going, all right, I get that he was pretty good, and he caught some passes. Um, he's average, he averaged 3.9 per carry. Are we a little – I mean, basically, that is a lot uh, – as much as I like Melvin Gordon, I liked him last year when I had him because I think I probably picked him in the sixth round. But now, sixth overall here – as the number four or five running back, that's a lot of faith to put in a guy who has not proven as much as maybe we'd like. Do you agree with that? I think I think that's fair. I when, when I, I have Melvin Gordon, I believe fifth as well. Um, but my number four is different than almost everybody's. Um, who, who is it? <laughs> JHI is my number four. Well, it's not that crazy. Actually, I, I get it. It yeah, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And if Zeke if if Zeke has any more issues, he might <laughs> Jai might move up to three for me. Right. But I I can see that. I mean, the yards per carry were down. The offensive line has been you know pretty injury prone and questionable for a couple of years now. I do. I mean, it is nice that Danny Woodhead is not going to be there. I don't think Brandon Oliver is going to you know, completely take all those all those touches. I mean, what are they? I, I'm trying to remember the other players they have like Kenneth Farrell and. I'm not. I can, I'm blanking on who else. But that's pretty much the, it. The Andre Williams is, is on the death chart. I'm looking at. It. Oh, there you go. Yeah. The the point is, I I don't see any way he doesn't get 300 touches total touches. Right. You know, I I feel between attempts and receptions, 300 touches. That's a lot of volume, and that's I think because of the depth chart, it's safe, and that's why he's up there. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. I just I, I'm looking at it. I'm going, and I'm, I think what I'm starting to think about is putting Ajayi ahead of him. Just, just nice. because I think that, you know, like I said, the, I'm looking at that yards per carry and I, I'm going as nice as Gordon was. I, I don't, I don't know. It was a volume. He was a volume play more than a performance play. And there's a lot to be said for volume. Certainly. Right. But. Right. All right. Um, everybody, we've got to thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. With Yahoo Fantasy Football, there are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field. It's football in its funnest, best form, and where there's no such thing as an excessive celebration. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play and easy to use on a desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. Sign up today at rotowire.com slash yahoo and download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three years in a row. Scott, when you, when you are paying attention to football on Sunday, are you using a computer or an app, a, a computer, a phone, or an iPad, or let's say a tablet? 
Uh, I have my computer in front of me and I'm watching Red Zone. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically my Sunday. So my kid, a few years ago, when Red Zone, we finally got Red Zone here, my kids loved My wife was kind of going, I, I don't buy it. I don't get this thing. And, and my kids <laughs> took to it immediately. My kids literally go in another room and watch Red Zone when we're trying to watch a game. So they did like they think they like me. They think it's basically the greatest invention that ever happened. Probably it's just awesome. So yeah, I'm with you. I like I like watching Red Zone, but yeah, I don't. I, I watch. I'd rather go on my computer too. Still, much I, the app is when I'm out and about, but the computer is what I'm paying attention to more than anything. I think I use the phone for Twitter more than I use for keeping up with my scores. But yep, yep, that's pretty much it. Yep. All right. Anyway, um, when you are using the app, it's just as extensive as the desktop experience. So maybe, you know, it's because I'm an old guy that I'm not using the app as much. Allowing you to draft, trade, and comb waiver options right on your phone. It gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week. Switch your league to Yahoo where you can manage your league dues for free. I like the Yahoo leagues a lot. Sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. That's rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football. Feel the wins. Okay. Looking back at your ADP, um, Gronk, number 10. That is a, a boom or bust play right there because right. he has had his three of the last five years, he has played far less than a full season. Um, but the thing is, where there's so much bust with him at number 10, is is there enough boom for him? Is there enough value? At number 10, is he too much of a risk? Well, uh, <laughs> I, I think there's enough boom. I think... Boom, just barely enough. I, I don't know that I could be the one that pulls the trigger, though. I, it might be a little too risky for me. But if you look at 2015 in this scoring, he was the third third non-quarterback. And in 2016, uh, if you extrapolate out, which is the, a dangerous, dangerous thing to do, he would have been fourth of non-quarterbacks. So, I mean, there's a little bit of boom. I, I think he's pretty much at his ceiling, though, given or priced at his ceiling because of all the injury risks. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure about the Gronk. I don't know. I don't know if I can. I love Gronk, but I don't think I can pull that trigger at number 10. And I know this format is makes him very different, but I don't know. All right, wide receivers. You have, I'm looking here, and on my rankings and a lot of rankings, Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham are pretty close one-two. And I don't think, I'll, I don't, you, you can disagree with me. I don't think people see a lot of difference between them this year. Um, I 100% agree. <laughs> but the difference between them, I mean, mostly you, when you look at guys like this, let's say in a traditional fantasy football league and you say, oh, that guy's fifth, that guy's sixth, you're, you're, you're nitpicking here. If you prefer one, it's fine. Right. It's not a big deal. But I'm looking here, Antonio's number five in ADP and Beckham is number 13. Are you surprised by the gap there? Yeah, and I think it's just mainly due to you know, the draft setup, like the, the, there are so many owners that just didn't want to grab wide receiver. Yeah. So like the one, one owner that wants to grab a wide receiver, maybe he's favoring Antonio Brown. I actually have, I have Beckham one Brown too, but like you said, it's absolute nitpicking. I mean, they were within seven or eight on receptions first downs. I believe they were 66 to 65. I mean, right. they're, they're basically, they're basically right, right in the same exact spot. So, uh, it, it does surprise me that there's that gap, but, um, when you think about these kind of drafts, there are only a few people that are going wide receiver heavy at the at the start, and they must have just preferred Brown. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I did buy a little, but I was surprised. I, I was actually watching in the second round and hoping that Beckham would – wow, is this guy going to fall to me? Because I was thinking about taking him in the first round of my draft. 
at number. I five. saw Beckham. I think he went at like two point oh nine or two point eleven in one of the drafts. I was just shocked by that. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so I'm looking at uh, our friends at Yahoo for last year's stats. Um, just, just as an example, um, you know, you could there are a lot of different scoring systems. What I see here is in 2015, Kirk Cousins was QB nine. Last year, he was QB four. He is now in in a lot of leagues and in Scott Fishbowl being drafted after Marcus Mariota, James Winston, Cam Newton, and Derek Carr. Um, are you? I'm really surprised by that. Are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I I believe I actually drafted one of those players ahead of him too. And as I sit here thinking about it, when I read this question, I thought. Why did I do that? Because <laughs> Cousins has been so consistent. I know he lost his top two options, you know, into Sean Jackson and um, and uh, blank and Pierre Garcon. Yep. yep. And, and he brought in Terrell Pryor, who I absolutely love this year. Uh, there's some risk with Jordan Reed injury, but you know, Sean McVay is gone. But I still believe that offense is going to move. I I have it. I have a lot of trouble believing he won't finish as a top twelve quarterback once again. It's just a lot of consistency there. It, <laughs> some of those guys, it, Cam, he's he just started throwing. Carr's coming off injury, but he should be fine. Yep. But he still really only has the two weapons, and they're going more run centric, possibly with Lynch in that offensive line. We'll see. But yeah, it, it is it is interesting that he's still going behind them. Right. Yeah, I, I, w- I was really surprised. I, and I feel like we, we don't – like the Redskins, we all don't like Kirk Cousins enough. It's not I, – I mean, and I think from a real football standpoint, I understand it a little more. I mean, I do think the Redskins are – I don't think they're handling this well. I mean, he, he's a guy I think you can win with, but he's probably – you know, I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback. In fantasy, I think he's a top 10 quarterback. I mean, the attempts last year, what do you throw? Right. 606, 607 passes, something like that. So the volume exactly, there. and a guy like yeah, and, and another guy on that list, Mariota. His team, I believe, his team threw lowest in the NFL. I believe four hundred and fifty or so, something like that. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so that's <laughs> you're not gonna get a lot of points when you're only throwing four hundred fifty passes. Yeah, I'm I'm good with Kirk. If Kirk Cousins falls to me as the eleventh quarterback, I'm I'm pretty excited in, in any format right now. Yeah. Um. Carlos Hyde's ADP is 49 here. And I, I felt like he was kind of dro- – in my draft, he kind of dropped and dropped. And people are very hesitant to take him. And that's understandable. We talked – like Gronk, we talked about the injury history. Carlos Hyde has that. But he also he, – he's got he's on a team with a coach that has had some success with the run. I know schemes are different things. Um, his quarterback's not that great. He doesn't have a lot of competition. I know we've all heard the story about – Kyle Shanahan pounding on the table to get Joe Williams drafted or whatever it was. Um, but Car- Carlos Hyde seems to have – and once you get beyond the, the, the bell cows, Carlos Hyde seems to have a lot of opportunity. Do you – does that opportunity outweigh the injury risk for you? Where are you on Carlos Hyde? I think that everybody should be extremely worried about Carlos Hyde and allow me to continue drafting him at the spots I am <laughs> because <laughs> – I am loving, loving where I'm getting him. I just, I just drafted him in a mock draft uh, just yesterday as my RB, I can't remember if it was two or three, and just jump for joy because it was like six rounds in or something, five rounds in. So, no, I, I actually really like it. And I think the biggest point is is the the new offense. I believe that's going to be huge for Hyde. I'm, I'm 
I'm taking, you know, Joe Williams later. I'm not really buying into the Breda, Matt Breda thing yet. But I, I, I don't mind handcuffing with Joe Williams because he's basically free. But I'm, I'm generally not too much of a handcuffer. But I love Hyde in this offense. I, I love the potential he has. Yeah, and I th- again, it's. I mean, Joe Williams is not. You know, it, it's not like they drafted a Heisman Trophy winner there. You know, he's he's kind of right, sort exactly. of okay. Yeah, exactly. It's it's more just you know, if Shanahan did pound the table for him, and they're talking him up this much, and and Hyde has gotten hurt, you know, so that that it's more about that than than anything else. Right. All right. So you're in Minnesota. So you're going to be our Vikings expert today. If that's okay. Oh boy. Are you are you, are sure. you a Vikings fan? I am a Vikings fan. Okay. Are you lifelong Minnesotan? Lifelong through all the crushing, you know, end of seasons. Oh. Oh, that the, the Blair Walsh one must have that was a killer. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah there's some bad ones. Right. Sorry, I'm not gonna try to rub uh, it in here, but that there's some no, bad ones. No, it's fine. I actually have a Blair Walsh authentic jersey and he gave me a happy birthday and stuff. So I, it was, it was sad to see him uh, fall so flat, but now I'm, I'm talking more about, you know, the Brett Favre interception and the Gary Anderson kick. Those were crushing for me. Those are really crushing. All right. I'll I'll let you off on that. Um, (laughs) Dalvin cook ADP last I saw was 62 in in the SFB seven drafts. Um, And I feel like people in the fantasy analyst industry, are getting excited about Dalvin Cook. I feel like they're getting to the point where it's not like his, his stock is through the roof, but people are kind of going, well, you know, he's, oh, sure, he's the lead guy. He's going to be he's gonna be a busy guy. He's going to catch the ball. They're going to run him a lot. Um, oh, hey, Yahoo, Dalvin Cook, um, are you, do you think he's going to make a big fantasy impact or let's say a modest impact where he, he shares a lot of work with other backs? Well, for SFB, I think he's that kind of boom boom versus bust player that people are looking to get just to get him through the playoffs. But in general, I do think Latavius Murray is still going to be, be in play at the start of the season. I think McKinnon's still going to steal touches. And that offensive line, even though we've tried to improve it, is still not good at all. Right. So I'm, I'm way more hesitant on Cook than I think non-Viking fans are. I think non-Viking fans are a lot more excited. I think it's I think it's just going to be a giant split. And, you know, as the season progresses, maybe Cook pans out as the best and gets more and more touches. And Zimmer already said he looks special, you know, when he's wearing, <laughs> wearing T-shirt and shorts against rookies <laughs> and backups. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little more hesitant than most. Okay. So, uh, so Murray runs near the goal line, we think. If you had to guess, is that what's going to happen? I, yeah, I could definitely see that, especially if his ankles hold up. I believe he's coming off of two ankle surgeries, so uh, that's that's always a risk for re-injury ankles are. So, uh, yeah, I think for now it's probably going to be Latavius near the goal line, but I'm not even sure how often we're going to get down there. All right, so I'm, I've been one of those, for fantasy purposes, I've been one of the Jarek McKinnon truthers. And, and I had, right. obviously I have to wean myself away this year. And I, you know, it's fine. La- last year when Peterson got hurt, I went jackpot. This is what I expected, and I got him in the tenth round of all my drafts, and I was so happy. And then nothing. Um, is it him or is it the line? Uh, I think it's both. Uh, I think he kept running to the line, and maybe it became a mental issue. But I'll, I'll be honest, and I mentioned this on Twitter several times last year. He did not look as explosive. Like watching yeah. the game, he did not look as explosive as he did right away in his career. 
So uh, I, I don't know. I, I attribute that maybe to mental, knowing that when you get the ball, you're going to get hit a yard behind the line every time. That probably <laughs> does something to a runner's psyche. I, I felt like when I watched him, he was running directly into the back of his offensive lineman. So which, yes, which yeah. had to do which was a combination of a blocking thing and a vision thing, probably. If I had right. to guess. Um, okay, la- last one on the Vikings. I, I'm in Charlotte. What are we? And this is not a fantasy question. Um, what what should the the Panther fans here be expecting from Matt Khalil? Ah. What, what would it be a screen door or no, <laughs> a turnstile? <laughs> a turnstile. Um, I. It's crazy because right away in his career, he looked like he had so much potential, and he just fell flat. He just he could he couldn't block anything by the end. It felt. Uh, maybe Carolina is the change of scenery and the change of coaching staff and the you know everything new might be able to uh, re unlock that potential because we're we're talking about a third over actually fourth overall because we had that trade with, for Trent the Trent Richardson Browns deal, but uh, yeah we're talking about a, a top of a top ten pick here. I mean there's there's potential there's talent there so. I I guess you can be a little optimistic, but uh, man, he did not look good. We we were happy he left. You were happy he left, and the and the injury, you know, the injury stuff doesn't it it it, it's, it was hard. It's probably hard for you to see the positives. I mean, the potential is there because of the way he looked early, and the potential he had when he came out of college. But it, you're, it sounds like, and I want to put words in your mouth, that you're rationalizing why it's possible he could be good. Rather than thinking, yeah, it really I'm, happened. I'm trying to give the Carolina fans a little bit of hope. <laughs> All right, got it. Well, they're put, they're putting, but there's there's a lot. And the thing is, his contract. What was it? Five for fifty five. And I know there's that's not the guaranteed money. That's not a lot of money for an offensive lineman these days. It's not right. huge. So a lot of interior guys. Didn't the Browns pay a ton for some guards? I mean, a lot of money. Yeah, I can't. I can't yeah. remember what. Uh, yeah, it's it, 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 it's good to be an offensive lineman these days. Let's put it that way. All right. Auto New Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like an NFL GM. It's better fantasy football auction-based, deep rosters, and college players in the player pool. You can stash college prospects for the future, trade for superstars to make a championship push, and develop a team over multiple seasons, and play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. Auto New Fantasy Football. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U. AutoNewFootball.com. All right. We talked about some running backs and how some backs slipped. Dalvin Cook was the last guy I mentioned. After Dalvin Cook, whose ADP was 62, I've got five guys. Actually, yeah, it's five in a matter of nine picks. I'm going to name them, which is rounds five and six in in, uh, Scott Fishbowl drafts. Amir Abdullah, Spencer Ware, C.J. Anderson, Tevin Coleman, Mark Ingram. If you had to pick a player from that bunch, who would it be and why? Oh, boy. For I guess for SFB, it'd probably be Abdullah, just because I think he's got the most clear shot at being the top guy. Where I'm, I'm more worried about Hunt than I really should be. I, I, maybe I'm overreacting to the to the you know OTA stuff and and all the hype and. 
Also, I, I just I like the look of Hunt coming out of Toledo. I didn't think he was like special, but I thought he was good enough. And and Ware seems pretty average to me. I love Andy Reid running backs. I think the one I would take in a like an SFB draft would be Abdullah. In, in a regular league, I might take Tevin Coleman just because of all the PPR upside and what he could be if anything, like anything happens to Devonta Freeman. Tevin Coleman could be just giant. So. In a regular league, I might I might lean Coleman just just because of that. Do do we know? Speaking of Coleman, do do we know much? You know, I, I know people are speculating about Steve Sarkeesian as the offensive coordinator there, but he, he hasn't been a pro coordinator. Like, do, do you think we can read enough into what he did in college to make any kind of judgments about how the Falcons are going to adjust, or do you think it's going to be a lot more of the same like last year? Boy, that is that is one heck of a question because there have been college coaches that come in and they bring their style, and then colleges that come or college coaches that come in and you know they they have a little bit of their style, but they man, uh, I I don't know that we can read enough. I mean, USC is its own is its own little beast there. Yep. So I, he. <laughs> I I, th- I think that he's still going to be able to Tevin Coleman is still going to be able to th- they're going to utilize what he can do well which is which is catching the ball and also and he can run between the tackles I think they're just still going to utilize that two back set my I think my biggest concern for Coleman is that if they don't extend Devonta Freeman it's his final year if they if they sit there and go you know what we'll take Coleman after this we're going to run Col- we're going to run Devonta Freeman into the ground and just let him walk. If if there's any inkling of that, that that might be painful for Coleman owners. That could be, yeah. I I love Devonta Freeman. I just love watching. And it was so funny because when they drafted Coleman, Freeman was such a good receiver as a rookie. I thought, oh well, right. Fre- Freeman could be the receiving back, and it totally flipped the other way. Basically, that Coleman right. Freeman's running near the goal line and all that. So he's a nice runner. I like him a lot. Okay. Did you love him coming out of Florida State? Because I, I liked him, but I never saw this coming. No, not at all. I mean, I like, same with you. Like, oh, hey, nice little back. Maybe he's a third down guy. And, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did not see it coming at all. So, it's unreal. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to some, uh, some of the strategy stuff. What, what made you come up with? I mean, you, you, you told me beforehand, you tinker with the format of, of SFB every year. What what got you to say, you know what, two and a half points per first down for a tight end is a really great idea? <laughs> well, first off, I love making drafters think, I'm a, and I love uh, making a, a position – like tight end, which has very little value. I look, I love giving it a bunch of value so that you actually have to legitimately think about a tight end versus someone that there, there's no way in any other draft you would consider that. And at 2.0 points per first down, I just didn't feel like there was enough of that. I think once I bumped it to 2.5, I think eight tight ends entered the top 100 overall players. And, <laughs> and that made me smile a little bit. That's pretty good. It, it made me think so much. It made me draft Gerald Everett and Max Williams. As my third yeah, and fourth tight ends. Yeah, Max Williams, too. I, it's crazy that they're even on rosters. But, yeah, I got Max Williams, too. I, it's, and we're not sure if his, uh, it's, if his knee is going to be okay. He might start on the pop list, apparently. But, right. it, you know what? If he's healthy, I mean, I got him in the 21st round. My draft's almost over. And, and I looked and I went, I mean, at this point, there, there's the upside here is a starting tight end on a team that right. isn't shy about throwing to them. 
Yeah, and Pitta led the NFL in targets and receptions among tight ends last year, and he's gone. I mean, the Ravens lost the most targets in the NFL. So, I mean, if he if he does become the starting tight end, you're right. He could he could be a big boom in the 21st. I got him in the 22nd. So we both got him really late. Nice. Yeah. So so we're both talking ourselves into how great Max Williams is right now. So that's good. Yep. We'll, be <laughs> well, I'm a Minnesota guy. So <laughs> right. That's true. Okay. Um. Besides Max Williams. Who is, let's say, outside the top 15 tight ends? I mean, th- this format certainly lends itself to you thinking about tight ends more. But if people, are, if people in any format are looking, let's say a sleeper tight end outside the top 15. I know sleeper is a bad word because there are no sleepers anymore and there's too much information out there and all that. But a, a, a tight end, that people, a sneaky one that people should look for late. Oh boy. Well, it depends. It depends on what rankings you're looking at. Cause I'm a big Jack Doyle guy, but I think he might be just under that 15 marker. He's getting some just, helium right now. Definitely. I would say. Yeah. There's just, they, they go to the red zone. They target the tight end in the red zone so often and Dwayne Allen's targets are gone. Uh, but I guess if you have to go really deep, I hate, I hate talking about rookies, but Evan, Ing- it, we could, it could be possible that Brandon Marshall has an Andre Johnson or a, you know, Roddy white type fall off and Evan Ingram becomes a big body tight end that, that they just, they, they could really use in, in the, in the giants offense. And I think that's going to be a high scoring offense. So I suppose really late. I like Evan Ingram. Fedorowicz is still the starter in Houston. Cameron Brait is not, is not being usurped by OJ Howard yet this year i don't think i think he'll be an eight touchdown guy still so th- those are some guys if i have to pick really late those are some guys i like yeah i immediately regretted my oj howard pick when i made it because i look and I, I jumped and i went eh, i don't know about that um why do you think the giant go ahead I was going to say rookie tight ends, though. I mean, I hate doing it. I hate doing it just because, I mean, outside of like like four or five over the last 20 years, they're just worthless through year one. That's true. Um, all right, so you mentioned the Giants. And, and having grown up a Giants fan, that it was what you said intrigued me. Why do you think they will be a high-scoring offense? They struggled last year. Yeah, I, I just I just think that they have so many more weapons. I think Perkins with another year running back, I think he's going to be better. Uh, my my concern isn't with the offensive uh, power they have, power players they have. It's with Eli's arm. Yep. Like if his arm can, it, it felt like it it went downhill as the season progressed last year. If it comes back, I think I think the offense is going to roll. I think their struggles were more on Eli's arm and consistency than than the actual playmakers they have. So, I, I guess it, it, they're more of a boomer bust pick for me now that I'm thinking about it. But I think that that offense, if it booms, could be really potent. So you're so you're if he, if Eli's arm is okay, let let's say if Eli doesn't regress, let's put it that way. Um, you're you're you you you're probably confident on Brandon Marshall. Well, I, I think Brandon Marshall is gonna be a good veteran presence and I think he's a guy that will be a decent red zone weapon for them. You know, six, seven, eight, nine touchdowns, uh, I think are not out of the question for Brandon Marshall, even at this stage of his career. Okay. Um in your draft, again, other than Max Williams, <laughs> um, give me a late round guy that fell into your lap that made you happy. Fell into my lap. Oh, uh, I think I got Chris Thompson in about the 18th round. When he fell there, I smiled because he had like 50 catches last year, which don't matter in this, but he also was a decent first down guy. Um, But I also got Cole Beasley really late, 17th round, I believe. And he's he was like top 10 in first downs last year. 
I, I don't see that changing. I see him still being that guy. I know that dynasty people love to think that, you know, Ryan Switzer is going to take over Cole Beasley's role immediately this year. I don't see that happening. I think there is a connection between Dak and Cole. So I, I really liked getting him in the 17th. Is there someone drilling behind you? Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're, they're constructing the office. I'm in an enclosed uh, conference room, but apparently a little bit of the drilling came through. That's good. Usually in my, my uh, hiccups here, I live in a neighborhood. I do this out of my house. I live in a neighborhood where there's construction going on. It's a new neighborhood. So as the construction gets closer, I'm going to be hearing a lot of people hammering and things. But my, my dog tends to make a lot of appearances. He's been nice and quiet today. So um, nice. be thankful for that. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Last thing, and this is a, a three-part question. We're going to look at a few backfields. I want to hear your opinion on them. First is the Saints. Uh, they drafted Alvin Kamara. They signed Adrian Peterson. And they still have Mark Ingram, who is no slouch himself. Uh, I feel like I'm happy getting Ingram where he's falling at this point. Uh, how do you think that backfield is going to shake out? Uh, I think Ingram's still going to be mostly the bell cow. I think, I think Peterson's going to get you know, his 150 what touches. Uh, I think he'll be more of the goal line back. I, I honestly do. And Kamara's just, I, I believe Sean Payton called him a Swiss army knife. I think he's going to be that. And if you look at the target structure, I mean, they were trying to trade cadet. If he gets cadets targets and maybe some of Tim Hightowers, cause Hightowers in San Francisco now, I mean, he could be a 50 plus catch guy. Uh, it's really weird, but the Saints backfield is one of those that I like the price. I think because they're all there, the prices have gone down enough on right. all of them that I, I will take any one of them at their at their current price tag. I don't want to load up on them, but, you know, in a draft, I kind of like all their price tags. Do you, now, do you think, by saying that, so you probably think Peterson's got more left in the tank than I do. I'm just yeah, so skeptical. I, I know. I, I I wonder if part of it is homerism of years <laughs> of, of watching him just do amazing things. Uh, but <laughs> so that might be part of it, but I really do think that he has the, the potential for, for those touchdowns that those goal line carries. I know they have John Coon, but that's usually good for about two or three a year. But <laughs> I, I think that Peterson's potential is in the goal line work. All right. In Scott Fishbowl, the uh, ADP wise Ingram 77 Peterson's 93. And I'm looking at, let's see, uh, other elsewhere. Let's see what I have. Ingram's the 30th running back. With Peterson being Peterson slipping, where is he? Sorry for the delay. Oh, 19. That's terrible. That's he can't be that much higher. He shouldn't be. If Adrian Peterson's your RB two, you're in big trouble. I would think, right? Wow. Yeah. Okay. 19 is way, way too high. Yeah. I didn't realize his ADP was that in SFB. That's no, that's no, no, not in SFB. And in, 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 I'm looking oh. elsewhere. Sort of more traditional. And in, in SFB, I don't know about the positional ranking, but Ingram 77 and Peterson's 93 overall. So okay, but um, Peterson is 19 overall in regular ADP. 19, okay, I don't like 19th that at all. At running back, <laughs> 19th running back. Yeah, and, yeah. And going into yeah, I know. Yeah, RB2, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that at all. I hate that. All right. Yeah, Patriots. So Mike Gillisley's getting popular, and, and I said to Greg Ambrosius on Monday that I think it's it's very easy to look and say, oh, subtract Legarrette Blunt, put in Mike Gillisley, jackpot. Now if Look, his draft stock is not that high because we'd be drafting him higher than the fifth or sixth round if we thought we was, he was going to get 18 touchdowns. But uh, other guys you got there, you've still got Deion Lewis, you've still got James White, you've got Rex Burkhead. 
What do you do with the Pats backfield? Do you like anybody where you see them falling in drafts? I am. St- I'm still taking Gillisley. I'm. I. I like his price. I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable to expect him to be a 10 to 12 touchdown guy and be more of the workhorse. But it is the New England Patriots. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that James White is going away. De- Deion Lewis was even elusive as just really elusive last year. I think those those targets are still going to be there for those guys. And we might end up with your typical New England, who do we start each week? I, I do think Gillis Lee is the safest, but all of them really scare me. Okay. If you had to pick one of the other three, who would it be? Probably James White. Uh, I think he had 86 targets last year. I know that you know they brought in a bunch of people, and so those might go down. But I really, I really do think that they like they extended him this off season. I think they like what they have in him. He's he's probably the you know behind Gillisley the second safest for me. Okay, yeah, I'm still I, I I find myself looking at Burkhead in very late rounds of drafts when I need a fifth or sixth running back. Just yeah, his price is – I mean, I did a mock the other day. I think he went like third to the last round, something like that, something ridiculous. So right. at that price, heck yeah. And, and I think part of it is because they, they were talking him up during OTAs, and that may, maybe that got mm-hmm. to me. And I know you need to take that stuff with a grain of salt sometimes. But you have people saying, you know, oh, he was one of the best players on the field. I go, ooh, really? Great. And, and he did help me win a fantasy playoff game last year at one point. So that was pretty nice. What right. Week 17. It was a week 17 league. Somehow. Nice. Maybe That's, it was DFS. Yeah. I don't know. But he had a huge game because everybody else was hurt. Yeah, I do not play in those, but uh, he definitely helped there. Yeah. Um, all right. Last one is the Seahawks. Um, you've got Rawls, you've got Eddie Lacy, and you've got CJ Procise. And, and I thought – I was surprised – at them getting lacy because I remember that. Do you remember that Sunday night game where they won in New England and ProSize just played great? And mm-hmm. you could see on the sideline, because he didn't just catch he, – he's got, he's got that rep because of what he did in college because he played wide receiver, that he's a good receiver. Right. Back. But, but he, he can run pretty well, too. He seems like he can. In that game, I think he ran 20-something times for over 100 yards. They were so excited. You could see Pete Carroll and his teammates and the teammates on the sideline getting excited about the way he ran. And after the game, there he was so tough. He was so good, and we're so excited that he's finally going to help us. And then he got hurt. And and I mm-hmm. thought they were going to go into this year and just let him play. And now Eddie Lacy's there to muck things up. What, what do you yep. what do you do with the Seahawks back? Do you, do you like? I mean, I, I I'm a guy who's just never going to own Eddie Lacy. What, what do you like? Nope. Any of these guys. This is this is kind of funny because I actually get roasted a little bit for this at times. But I have CJ Procise ranked as my number thirty-two running back. Yes. I have Rawls Rawls at thirty-nine and Lacey at forty-one. All right. So I, I actually I'm I'm also a Procise believer. I sometimes I wonder if my dynasty mindset because I've been you know at dynasty league football and just been a dynasty guy for a very long time. I wonder if that's seeping in. But he's in that David Johnson mold. He can catch, but he can also really run between the tackles. Eddie Lacy, I just don't see it anymore. I, I know that he was okay when when fully healthy and at a good weight. And I know that Rawls was really good the first year in, in limited time. But last year, I think he was like 3.2 yards per carry or something terrible like that. I, I don't know. Procise, I think, is, is their best chance to, to – have an explosive offense. I, I think that he does everything that that Seattle offense is going to want 
Uh, and I think he can take all of those roles, the the, the receiving role and uh, starting running back role. I agree with you. I think if you draft him, he might be one of those guys who you're going to have to be a little patient with. Because it's, exactly, it's a crowd, but it might not be. He, 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 I, I think like you that he's going to emerge as the guy. Yeah, and what I love is that Pete Carroll is, I mean, they signed Matt Flynn for a ton, and Russell Wilson started the season. I mean, Pete Carroll is not, he's going to play the best players. And I think by season's end, I just wrote this the other day, by season's end, that's going to be precise. Nice. All right. I like this. I like where your head is on that one. Okay. Um, everybody, listeners to this podcast can get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit cards required that will allow you to check out nearly, nearly all the features on the site. Check it out at rotowire.com slash pod. Um, Scott, what should people look for from you during draft season? You're doing ju- as great as Scott Fishbowl is. You don't just do Scott Fishbowl. What should they be looking for from you? No, no, I, I am full time in the fantasy industry. I starting next Monday, I'm going to have rankings up at fanball.com. We're going to have a bunch of draft kit type stuff, sleepers, bus breakouts. Uh, I wrote a couple hundred player blurbs. Most of them are hilarious. Cause when you get down to Matt Castles and Chad Hennies and then guys, you don't know, you just start writing jokes. Cause yeah. that's about, that's about all you can talk about. But yeah, I'm going to have a lot of content out on fanball, uh, starting next Monday. That's our content launch. All right. Good luck with that. Check it out. Fanball.com and check out fantasycares.net, um, where you can learn how you can help Scott's effort, uh, for, uh, toys to raise money for toys for tots. Um, also SFB seven is the hashtag on Twitter. If you want to follow everything, uh, about Scott fishbowl. All right, Scott, thanks a lot, man. We'll do this again soon. Okay. Thanks. You have a great day. All right, everybody, real quick, if you like this podcast, we'd appreciate it if you would leave us a review and a rating. Please do that. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode will be coming on Thursday, so please check back then for more great fantasy football draft information. For Scott Fish, I'm John Halpin, and thanks for listening.